0: You are listening to MSP 1337, a podcast dedicated to helping MSPs and their clients navigate cybersecurity. Security maturity is a journey, but that doesn't mean you have to travel alone. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, and I want to personally thank you for joining us today. Before we jump into the show, I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, MSP Ignite. MSP Ignite offers a peer group experience that is unique to managed service providers in the technology industry. If you are serious about implementing a model for success through sharing and collaboration of best practices, this is the best way to do it. Head on over to msp-ignite.com today to find out more. Now on with the show. Welcome everybody to this episode of MSP thirteen thirty seven. I'm joined this week by Corey Munson of PC Matic, and we're here to talk about the impact of security as it pertains to the education space. Corey, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, Chris.
0: So, Corey, uh, we've known each other not all that long, but we share a lot of similar acquaintances and friends, and. Both of us living here in Iowa, I thought it'd be a great opportunity to talk about security as it pertains to the education space, primarily the K-12 space. As we know, now that we're in 2021, this is probably going to be the highest targeted uh, demographic as far as exploits. Uh, Give me some thoughts on your part, obviously, working where you do. You see a lot of things, but just the education space as a whole, you know, what do you see our challenges and maybe some thoughts on how we might go about helping the K-12 space?
1: Boy, boy that's a loaded question right out of the gates, Chris. Well, I mean, I'm expecting
0: answers too, that are just <laughs> like rock solid, check this box, and yeah. guys, you'll be safe.
1: You know, the first thing I'll, I'll say is in interacting with a lot of the, the folks in the K-12 IT space, I'm incredibly impressed. By what they've been able to do with limited resources in constantly shifting times, here, sure. um, you know, it, it seems like school by school, district by district, there are different, uh, you know, plans and and uh, you know, hybrid models and everything else. And the ability for for the IT folks that we work with to adapt to that on the fly has been incredibly impressive. It it really has so. Let me, let me start by saying that um, I, I think you're exactly right. Going forward, we're going to look at schools increasingly becoming a target of, of attack. Um, you know, we work directly with um, the K-12 Cybersecurity Resource Center, who tracks attacks against public schools, public and private schools, and has been doing it for about two or three years, and we underwrite their their research. All indications are it's it's full steam ahead, and even since the shift to it to work or not work from home, but but uh, online learning, it it's only increased sure. and add, added in data exfiltration and any number of other layers to it. Now, uh, un- unfortunately, you're right; the schools are going to be in, in the crosshairs, and and I think you combine that now with the idea that in some cases districts are scrambling to. Uh, you know find devices to to provide to students and sure. staff and it's and even in some worst case scenarios relying on personal devices yep all of a sudden there are a bunch of security issues there that have to be unpacked so it's a big broad challenge right now
0: well i think that's like a i don't want to say segue because i feel like it's an overused word but since i already said it, it's, it's done um i i was looking at Uh, thinking about the MSP space, and I was thinking about all the things that we have sold over the years from, you know, the better AV stack, the better, just, we could spend hours talking about the grains of sand that make up what we position to uh, clients and prospective clients. But some of the things that have become more prevalent in, in recent months, recent years, are things like uh you know the MSP managed uh password you know password management um you know and, and there's there's a handful of things in there and what was interesting is we look at things like two-factor authentication and how to do how to navigate sort of that password or, or making the end user more secure some things that have happened this year unlike, or this past year unlike any other year that I've been alive for is let's let's all work from home and navigate things like never before with with COVID, and so I was thinking about it. I read this article and it was talking about the the exploitation may not come from uh, me targeting a business or you know the, the threat actors targeting a business. Now they can target. Uh, the, the residential, the consumer, not because they care about how much money you spent at Best Buy last month or your Amazon history. They just care about trying to just get their claws into you because that, that space, that home space is now the workspace. And I was reading the statistic to kind of tie it right back to education. The, the security of, of a, a kindergarten, first grade, uh, K-5 through was actually, they found more secure than the six through 12 space. And I'm like, well, why is that? And the more I thought about it, it's like, well, what is the probability that um, a parent or guardian is involved in that K5 user picking and and securing their device versus the six through 12 who's like, I can ride a bike, potentially drive a car. I can make my own food. I'm not gonna starve to death if you're not there. And so I was looking at that and I'm going, okay. So then you go back to that K5 space or, or, or any of it. If I am a parent at home, I'm using personal devices and predominantly MSPs, uh, IT departments, we don't secure those residential devices. And now uh, we're faced with this weird conundrum. What are we securing? Because the compromise now has way more paths to get to the same destination than they did say 12 months ago.
1: Yeah, you're spot on there. I've got a, a friend that runs an MSSP in, in Eastern Iowa. And the way, way he likes to, to explain it is, you know, uh, security for the most part was built around castle doctrine for a long time. True. You take whatever the crown jewels are, you build up the, the walls around the crown jewels and put your, your uh, artillery on top of the walls and you defend against it. He said, well, March came and everybody went to the office uh, loaded all of the crown jewels onto their kid's laptop and went home to work for the rest of the year. Right. And, and that's where, that's where we lay. And, you know, you, you transfer that into the school setting. Now, I, I think you've got three issues there. You've got in some cases, parent or staff and students using personal devices, poorly secured personal devices. Uh, in many cases, they're connecting on poorly secured home Wi-Fi networks, and they don't have a heck of a lot of awareness training. Um, you know, and, and even a fourth thing I'll throw at you, and it's one of the things I've commented on a lot, is you've got millions of U.S. households that are headed by grandparents, mm-hmm. and these grandparents don't have the ability to, to help provide a secure learning environment at home any more than they can secure their, their own online presence. Sure. So you've got all these things working against you. And, and one of the predict- predictions I've thrown out there is I think sometime during 2021, probably early this year, we're going to see a data breach, a serious data breach that ties back to somebody working from home and didn't have you know, even the basics on a home device that sure. were targeted somehow. And that was, that was the, the entry point. It's probably just a matter of time, and unfortunately, schools I think are going to be subject to that.
0: So I'll I'll just I'm I'll use this example with regards to the district that I work with. Uh, the question came up, you know, hey, we'd like to. What's the policy on hooking up a? I think it was a Google Home. I forget what the actual. They they all kind of run together, Home Pod or whatever it was. Well, along the lines of what you're saying of you know having a potential breach come from home essentially that compromised something at school i was thinking so if i don't allow in the district the iot model where i don't allow wireless printers from home i don't allow the home pod or the you know your own devices right to be connected to the network but i think about my own residential myspace and so like i have a garage door opener that can be controlled by alexa i've got uh the the iot um alexa dot that sits in the living room and hey what time is it because heaven forbid i look at a clock um, you know that's complicated. Like, and and you know, clocks have to have batteries changed, and they don't tell the right time anyways. So, recently, and maybe you've seen this, Amazon has announced, and I think some of the others have too, where it's called like this mesh uh, network of communication that's taking place as you and I, if we were next door neighbors, our IoT devices are now communicating with each other to help make a more uh, have less gaps, if you will, in, in, in the communication channel. Well, I don't allow that stuff at school, but now I've got yet another gateway to get to my stuff at school, because like you said, if grandparents don't know or don't have the ability to really help and parents are like, this is cool, it was $40. And now, you know, the 40% of my time I was getting, mom, mom, I now go, go ask Alexa. I mean, I'm just really bummed that you gave four things because like we could spend four weeks talking about one of the four.
1: Uh, you're spot on. The, you know, the way it was put to me even back in the spring was where we're headed is the home is now an attack vector in itself. All you have to do is think about how many devices you've got connected at home and how unsecure most of those devices probably are in most of the homes we're dealing with. Sure. It's, it's going to be the gateway for, for something, something far worse, unfortunately. I think. Do do you think
0: that's really the problem though? So I think back to, let's just go back to January of last year, pre, pre pandemic hitting uh, you know, we spent a lot of us spent, you know, 60, 70, 80% of our time on the road. If you were, if you were a a frequent flyer, you know, you're in airports all the time. Starbucks was your new office or your, you know, the Starbucks in Miami was your new office kind of thing. Was Is that really any different? In fact, in some cases, isn't that worse than dealing with my home's not changing every day, even though when I was a road warrior, uh, all the environment variables were changing every day. So the compromise or potential compromise was so high just because I was introducing, you know, new artifacts every time I blinked. So this kind of goes i think to the msp really to the to the whole the industry at large is to say stop trying to secure everything right like we're it's not about how secure you know how tall are the walls of my castle how how big is the moat what did i put in there sharks or alligators or both well and piranhas uh this is really getting into what's important is you and if i can put some sort of elements in place to secure the the you part of it the you know, what computer you're on, I don't care. It's that when you go to log in on that laptop or that desktop or your phone, that I'm providing some level of control over the, the window that you're looking through or the door that you're opening that doesn't just cause all those bad things to happen.
1: Yeah, it, to go back to your original point, is it is it really that much worse now than than it was before uh, I was talking to a CISO of uh, one of the larger companies in Iowa and we talked a lot about their conversion to to work from home and and I was really pressing them on some of the the challenges and security related issues that come with that and he, he said you know we had people working from home before mm-hmm. it's it's now a scale thing right we went from a quarter of our employees to 100% of the employees doing it so it, you know, the security issues are the same. It's just times whatever. So to, to that end, I, I don't think the, the, uh, the, the precise security issues have changed. It's more, more the, the scale, obviously. But um, to, to your point, what can we control, right? right. And, and what, what can you get your hands on and that's where I I talk a lot about the fact that there's still a lot of basics and blocking and tackling that people aren't bothering with. Sure. You see a lot of these news stories about school districts in Ohio that just spent a half million dollars on a security upgrade and three months later are hit with a ransomware attack. Sure. You know, chances are there there were some things that didn't cost a heck of a lot of money that were never done along the way. Right. There was never serious awareness training done for staff. Um you know, good luck trying to train parents or train these grandparents now that are at home trying to supervise their, their children. Um, I had a conversation with a, a gentleman who's an IT director out at a, a school district in New Hampshire, and he, he told me a, a good, good example of the challenge here it, it, when we're trying to, uh, you know, uh, further educate these end users. He said there was a, a, an issue that had come up with a particular router, and he had some of the, the families in his, uh, his school district saying that they got some weird ransomware sure. type notifications. So what he did was type up the, the step-by-step instructions on how to upgrade your router firmware if you own this particular router, You know, lays it all out there. He says a day later he gets a phone call from a parent who says, one, I don't have the time to follow your stupid instructions. And two, what I'm going to do is just go buy a new router and build a school district. So he said, you know, fine, are we gonna kick this can down the road of how many different ways we try to try to educate these end users? So I, I think that's a great starting point, but I think it's also a challenge in in how you engage with those folks. And and that's that's not just parents and grandparents or supervised students. This is this is employees at at home when we know. Sure. Yeah. Well, your your
0: example is is you know kind of saying how do we educate the unwilling? I mean that that's exactly that. You you've got someone willing to provide the instructions and to build capacity in someone that should be taking care of and securing their own environment, and their answer was, go to Walmart and get the next better not secure device. Yep. Um, I, I was thinking about, as you were saying, you were kind of walking through that, like, it made me think about uh, the blocking and tackling or, and how we can be sort of more preventative. I was thinking about like, if you never dust or vacuum your house, you're changing the filter on your furnace all the time. But if you just say on a weekly basis, where are to, to vacuum and make sure that there's just not a ton of stuff getting sucked up on the return of your, your airflow, You've, you've done a lot and it's not cheap. Plus, heaven forbid, you know, the, the day that you decide to not come home at the normal time, the furnace shuts off and so there's no heat. So the pipes break and you have this cascading. Uh, I think security, cybersecurity is, is really no different than that, right? Like if, if I'm using the tools that are out there to go, is, is my laptop up to date is, you know, the, the basics of, of basics, if you will. If I'm doing some of those things, I've at least removed some of the low hanging fruit and no one wants to go after the stuff that's in the top of the tree. I mean, it costs a lot of money to go rent a cherry picker, right? Like if I want the best apples, it's costing me money to get the apples. And, you know, the guy that really just needs to get a lot of apples that fell on the ground, he's just going to the biggest orchards. He's not doing anything. He's just walking through, right? Like there's no effort really involved in going after those that aren't willing to try and do some level of basic hygiene.
1: Right, and, and I think that's where we're going to have to see a, sh- a shift in technology policy, and this is going to carry from school districts to companies, but all right, if you acknowledge that a certain percentage of staff are going to live off of their own devices, right? how does that fit into your acceptable use policies, right. what, what's, what's now the expectation if you're going to allow staff to bring their own device what are the security expectations sure. you then have for that staff member? Well, I think that, that's a big challenge now that is yet to be sorted out.
0: I think it has yet to be felt. So I think yeah. that um, providing, you know, as, as a tech director in the role that I currently facilitate, I think one of the biggest challenges I have is what is the limit of my authority? When I say tomorrow, you have to use two-factor authentication. So, I, I don't want to say I've been, um, uh, say, shy or, or squeamish around it, but I've really not had a good, uh, easy approach to this, right? Because when I bring it up, you know, I get some really big pushback and they're like, well, I'm never going to use my phone that I pay for to be the six-digit, you know, rotating number for 2FA. I'm like, okay. These are the same resources that will go to walmart and spend their own money to buy expo markers but they won't okay so that's not a very good excuse of because it's your personal phone so as you as you take this further down the path i've had the privilege of saying okay your student information system at the end of january they're going to two-factor authentication whether you want to or not uh you know google always say says that they should so in a lot of school districts they use google for their for 2FA. Um, most of this stuff doesn't require an extra spend. Uh, they're just, it's the education piece. And so I can see like, okay, I can navigate this with staff. I really can. I think this is possible. But, and and I'm, I'm not saying you have this answer, but I'm going to just really cross my fingers and hope that you do. How do I do that with children in the K-5 space or the six twelve space where it's like, hey, Johnny, you know, sixth, grade but then an exclamation point on the end of that is not a good password uh it's just not right um and it has to start there
1: i'm going to tell you flat out i don't have the answer i I will tell you that my suspicion is it's a heck of a lot harder to do on the fly it makes me it, it makes me wonder is this a bigger question about um Curriculum for kids as it relates to technology and cybersecurity awareness. I, I take a look at North Dakota as an example, K20W. They've kind of have a, a famous initiative up there where from kindergarten on up through, uh, you know, even workplace, all of their citizens, including their public school students, get an element of cybersecurity awareness training and it starts in kindergarten. If, you know, if, if that was the backbone, and you're just simply jumping in and saying, all right, as uh, here's here's the lesson for the day and uh, real world exercises, we're going to have to start doing this. Yeah, Maybe it's a heck of a lot easier. But if you're just uh, swooping in as the IT guy to say, here's what's what's going to happen. And let's let's hope these these kids understand it. Ugh.
0: Well, there's the digital What is the digital controls hub or digital. I mean, there's there's several of the. Several of them common sense.org is what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. And and obviously they definitely target education. But again, this comes back to so now, even though I I like what you said, I think that I don't you're right. That's not necessarily the answer, if you will, the the the, the silver bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's important here is to go if, if teachers are being challenged to to educate, you know, especially in, in doing remote learning and some of these other things, it's really no different. We just have to say that not just at a district level or at an MSP level who's working with school districts is this gonna be an initiative. This is uh, everybody collectively across the country is saying, hey, if we want to see a difference and a reduction, we've got to treat it no differently than we would COVID. Uh, I think if we all got on the same page with COVID, we wouldn't be talking about wearing masks in public, right? We wouldn't have these political uh, divisive, conversations because one truth and another truth don't seem to line up because we got them from two different sources yep. that's the problem that we're dealing with right now i mean
1: yeah and unfortunately, i i i think we're seeing some some initiatives that are, are moving us that way you know it, some of it's at the state level sure i know there, there's a bigger collective uh, uh initiative called the cyber moonshot program yep, yep. which is really built around that and we've been able to participate in some of those sessions I think that's where it's headed is this is more of a collective effort of us as a country that need to wrap our heads around how important this is and kids need to be trained and grandparents need to be trained and but it's you know that's not an overnight thing sure and it, it's gonna it's gonna take some serious time and and commitment to it being important but I, I think, think there's also recognition that we are incredibly dependent on this, this technology. And it's our, not going anywhere. Yeah, and our connectivity is even more important. We found that out now over this past year. Sure. All right, great. What do we have to do to, to be citizens as, as part of that space? So
0: Yeah, I just had a conversation with our ISP, and he was articulating that if you are the, the backbone, sort of the big dog, the big carrier in that area... Uh, obviously in Iowa, it's ICN, uh, different states have different sort of the, the, the big, or they may have several. The guys that s- subscribed or that basically provide services to say, potentially you and me in our homes or, or in our offices that have them as a backbone, generally speaking, the subscription is a nine to one. So for every nine ma- or nine, so if there are nine people subscribing to services, you're getting a nine to one ratio on per megabits per second,
1: mm.
0: which is interesting in the space of like, is it slow because I have ransomware? Is it slow? No, it's slow because everybody's on it right now, like yep. everybody. So um, as we look to um, close out this uh, conversation, uh, one of the things that was that I, I kept thinking about, if we were, we were talking to MSPs who obviously support a lot of the uh, school districts, particularly in the state of Iowa, um talk to me a little bit about your experience you know school districts outsource I outsource a lot of our uh day-to-day IT I'm I'm one person I can't support all of it by myself uh do you have any like tidbits or or recommendations that you've picked up working with as many school districts school districts as I know you do that might encourage MSPs to to reach out to the you know I don't want to make this a sales pitch for why MSPs should target education but I think that if strong MSPs were to put more effort into going after the education space, there'd be a lot less tech directors feeling the burden that we do of trying to solve these problems by ourselves, because this is going to only get bigger before it gets smaller.
1: I think it's twofold when we're talking to our our MSPs, what I always encourage them is, is one, understand who the heck you're talking to and the unique challenges that an IT director at a school district has. In some cases, they're incredibly under-resourced and underfunded and they may be also the, the gym teacher, you know, recognizing that upfront and how you approach those people, I I think will go a long way. Unfortunately, there's some people that are are kind of tone deaf and don't read the room real well. And, and that, that removes the possibility there. Um, the second thing would be to go into it with an open mind about it being a co-managed uh, arrangement. And I think we're seeing more and more of that. And maybe that kind of even goes without saying, but um, you know, I- instead of positioning yourself as I'm going to come in and solve all of your problems and take this thing yep. over, it's let's figure out a way that we can help supplement what you, what you're trying to accomplish and what yeah. you don't have the resources for, where can we, we step in. If you, if you approach the, the districts that way, I think they're a heck of a lot more more receptive, and you if you at least appear to be uh, well versed into the challenges that a, a district would have, right? I, I think it's going to go a long way. But if you walk in there with the same pitch that you're given to to any potential customer, um, it's going to be a tough tough climb.
0: I think along those lines, you know, having been an MSP myself for the better part of fifteen years coming into the education space, I was very confused and playing defense, I think, out of, out of the gate. Like, why are, why are we doing this by ourselves? If when I had my company, we had lots of people handling fraction of the devices in deployment, how do we think that one person is gonna handle you know all of those devices? So like one of the things that I, if I was like, I were to look in the mirror about when I was an MSP, the first question that I would ask you know a tech director is what's the number one thing that gives you pain and if it's not in my wheelhouse maybe I can recommend somebody that it is but I, I hear this all the time uh, congestion uh firewall policies or content filtering just not working the way I wanted to you know the list kind of goes on and on and on but what i what I believe is the case is if we have to as a tech director because I don't know even the smallest districts they're managing more than 500 devices, right? And it's one person. Uh, you know, I don't know an MSP that has you know, 500 to 1,000 devices and they don't have two, three, four dedicated engineers on the team to support those assets with the tools that most districts have never even heard of. Uh, what do you mean there's a single pane of glass to manage whether or not I've got the latest updates? So yeah, I think that in, in kind of goes back to the beginning of this conversation how do we educate the unwilling? Well, I think a lot of the unwilling is based on the ignorance of what it means to be secure, to be residential or in a school. And, you know, oh, well, I keep my personal stuff separate from my work stuff. And I don't really care if you have the password to my gym membership because it's just my gym membership. It's not the same credentials that I use for my bank. It's like, well, is the billing address the same? You know, like, oh, I never thought about that. So, so yeah, I I think those are all great recommendations. I think you're spot on. Um, I believe that there's an opportunity probably again, for us to get on another one of these uh, conversations to talk more about the education space. Uh, But with that, I want to say thank you, Corey, for joining us for this episode of MSP
1: 1337. Thanks, Chris. All right. That was it. Awesome.